2 Timothy chapter number 1. We'll read verses 1 through verse 5, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get started with the message here. 2 Timothy 1 in verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. And then pay special attention here to verse number five. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Let's pray together one more time. Lord, thank you again for all that's taken place in the service thus far. Thank you again for all the teachers that are present this morning. Lord, thank you for their investment and their dedication and their sacrifice and their love for the students in which they teach. Lord, I pray that you would use this message to be an encouragement to help them to keep going. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to make sure that we are teaching the right things. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I wanted to start the message this morning by saying this. I appreciate teachers. More so now that I'm an adult. I don't know that I appreciated them as much as I should have when I was in their classes, but I definitely appreciate them now that I'm an adult. Because I realized that I didn't get to this point on my own. That I was not a self-made man. I, I had a lot of people invest in me. I was thinking this week about how many teachers I've had in my life. And as I began to count them up, I, I believe it was uh, well over 100 people who've had the title of teacher that have taught me in one shape, way, shape, or form in my life. Over 100 people who invested in me to get me to the point in where I am today. Uh, some of these teachers, some of these over 100 people, uh, stick out more than others. And um, I still remember the names of all of my elementary school teachers. I think of Mrs. Albertson. She was my kindergarten teacher. and Taught me the basics of reading and writing. Uh, Mrs. Triscuit was my first grade teacher. I remember she came to my house, not because I was a bad kid, but because she loved me and wanted to visit me. Mrs. Wilson was my second grade teacher, and oh, how she loved us, and, and we as a class in turn loved her as well. It was many years later, I remember running into her while I was in Bible college, studying for the ministry, and, and I found out that she also was a Christian, that she was a believer. And uh, it was no surprise to me because she constantly showed the love of Christ to us while we were in second grade. Uh, my third grade teacher had a pretty funny name. His name was Mr. Sweeney. You can imagine some of the uh, jokes that we made as, uh, as elementary school kids. Uh, but uh, not only did he have a funny name, but he, was, uh, he enjoyed telling us funny stories, and he was a great, uh, great teacher. 
our fourth grade, my fourth grade teacher, her name was Mrs. Neal. And I remember in her class, as we competed in the school, the different classes competed against one another in different uh, sports competitions and things like that. And our team name was Mrs. Neal's Banana Peels. And so that was our team name. I remember Mrs. Shepard was my fifth grade teacher. And, and to be honest, that was a tough year for me. And, and honestly, she wasn't my favorite teacher I ever had. I think everybody has teachers like that that are not their favorite, favorite teacher. But I do know that she cared about me and, and tried to help me through the struggle of fifth grade. Then in sixth grade, my, I had a first-year teacher. This was her first year teaching, Mrs. O'Connell. And, and she comes into the first year with, you know, these dreams and aspirations of being the greatest teacher ever. And uh, I remember she, she truly did love us, and she, she tried so hard to teach with passion. Uh, I, I remember, though, some in the class who didn't quite appreciate all the passion and the love. And, uh, and I remember there was a couple occasions where she broke into tears right during class. And we were all looking around, and it was extremely awkward that our teacher was bursting into tears because how some of us were acting. During my junior high, high school, one year of junior college and four years in Bible college, I've had mean teachers I've had funny teachers. I've had hard teachers. I've had some easy teachers. I've had some strict teachers, some boring teachers, exciting teachers, passionate teachers, loving teachers, and inspiring teachers. And I'm thankful for all of them because I know that I am who I am today because of their investment in my life. Now, for those of you who are teachers, whether it's in a public school or whether it's in home school, uh, whether it's in a Christian school or even here at church, you teach the children in our church. I want you to know that you are in good company uh, because this is very near and dear to my heart. My mom was a teacher. She was one of those rare breeds that enjoyed teaching, get this, junior hires. Can you imagine enjoying teaching junior hires? How many of you teach junior hires or coach junior hires? Yes, I see that hand. <laughs> You're in good company, my friend. My mom was a junior high teacher. She loved teaching. She was a talented lady. She taught history and Spanish. And she really put her all into it because teaching wasn't just a job to her. It was her passion. But... Also, as we think about those in the Bible who were called teacher, Paul, the apostle, was also called a teacher, wasn't he? In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul says, Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. And then he says, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. So the great apostle Paul had the title of teacher. So for those of you who are teachers, you're in good company. You're in company with my mom, and don't talk bad about my mom. <laughs> and you're in good company because the Apostle Paul was a teacher. But not only that, Jesus, God in human flesh, was also called a teacher. In John chapter 3, in verse number 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi... We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Nicodemus was right. Jesus was a teacher. So teacher, 
You're not, you, I mean, you are in good company. You're in company with my mom, the Apostle Paul, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now today, very briefly, we're going to look at some teachers in the passage we just read a few moments ago who made a great difference in the life of their student. And uh, we have a little outline in your bulletin, and if you'd like to take notes, you can use that. Otherwise, feel free to just listen. But number one this morning on your outline, if you'd like to take notes, I want us to notice, first of all, the message of our teaching. The message of our teaching. And, and I want to zero in on three teachers in the life of a young man by the name of Timothy. Three teachers that we're going to look at in the course of this message. First, we're going to look at his grandma. How many grandparents in here this morning? Would you raise your hand? Uh, we're going to see that grandparents can make a great difference and a great impact in the lives of their grandchildren. And so just because they're not living with you doesn't mean that they, you can't have an impact. We're also going to look at a uh, mom named Eunice. How many moms are in here this morning? A lot of moms. And then we're going to look at a man by the name of Paul, the apostle, who wasn't related physically, but who is related spiritually to this young man by the name of Timothy and how he invested and how he poured into this young man. But we're going to see, first of all, the message of our teaching. In verse number five, he says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So what should we teach? I realize that for those who are teaching in public school, there's probably a lot of subjects that you teach. Uh, you may teach writing and uh, math and, and uh, reading and language arts and um, art and PE and you name it. All of those things are important. But according to the Bible, there is one thing that we are to teach. Not to, not, not to neglect the other, but also not to neglect the most important. And that is found in Matthew chapter number 28. As Jesus is about ready to ascend up into heaven, he gives his disciples a charge to teach. Matthew 28 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and, what's the next word? Teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then what's the next word after that? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so here Jesus is telling us what to teach. Now he's not saying that math and you know the ABCs aren't important, but he's saying this is the most important thing to teach. And what is that? Well, the, his grandma, Timothy's grandma and Timothy's mom taught Timothy the faith. In verse number five, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. See, there was a transfer of this faith. They had taught Timothy the faith. So what is the faith? Well, first of all, the faith is, number one, the way to eternal life. In verse number 19 of Matthew chapter 28, that passage we read, 
Jesus said to teach all nations, and he wasn't going to say, teach everybody, go into all the nations and teach everybody how to read or teach everybody what two plus two is. Though those are important, that's not what he was encouraging them to teach. He was telling them to teach the way to eternal life, how that they might know that they're on their way to a, a place called heaven, how that they can have their sins forgiven, how that they can have eternal life. I'd like to take just a few moments right now to share with you the Bible way to eternal life. This isn't the Eric Johnson way to eternal life, per se, although I believe it. This isn't the Cornerstone Baptist Church way to eternal life, although our church believes this. This is the Bible way. This is God's way to eternal life. See, Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, in verse number one, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, ye may be also. And then he says, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, you know where I'm going, and you know how to get there. Well, Thomas kind of looks around and goes, am I the only one here that doesn't really know what he's talking about? And so he's the kid in the class that raises his hand and says, I'm going to ask the question. I'm glad he did. Thomas raises his hand and says, uh, excuse me, teacher, I have a question. We don't really actually know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. Can you please tell us? And that leads us to the very famous John chapter 14 and verse 6 where Jesus saith unto him, he said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the way to eternal life is not found in uh, what church you go to or what denomination you call yourself. The way to eternal life is only found in relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said to Nicodemus, who called him a teacher, come from God. He said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, we're supposed to have two birthdays. The physical birthday, the day that you celebrate, the day you came into this world. By the way, mine is coming up, just a few shopping days left. Telling that to my family, just in case they forgot. And that's, that's where you have the party every year, you know, they eat the cake and you get the cake and you get to eat it too. Then there's the second birth, the spiritual birth. The day when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone and stopped trusting in your good works, stopped trusting in uh, your church membership, trust, stopped trusting in, in anything other than Christ, and you place your faith in him alone, that's the second birth. That's when you are born again. Friend, can I ask you this question? Have you been born again? Have you been born of God? Have you been saved? The Bible tells us that we are all sinners in the eyes of God. All of us have sinned against the God of heaven and offended him. Psalm 14 and verse number 2, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Here's what he found when he looked down. He said, they're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. 
Isaiah 53 puts it this way. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. As a result, we fall short of God's glory. And because of that, we don't deserve to go to heaven. In fact, we deserve God's wrath poured out upon all of us, including me, especially me. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. All of us deserve spiritual death, not just the physical death, but the spiritual death. All of us deserve to be punished for our sins. Say, well, I'm glad you brought me here today. I'm glad I came to church to hear about how bad of a sinner I am. Look, we need to face reality. Reality is all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. I'm thankful that this is why Jesus died on the cross for us. This is why God sent his son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect and sinless life, and then to die upon the cross, to be able to take our place and to taste the wrath of God for us so that we don't have to. Romans 5.8, God commendeth or demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took my place on the cross. It was me that should have been crucified. It was me that should have uh, experienced all of God's wrath, but, God, but Christ took it all for me. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 says, testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. God is calling us to repent of our unbelief and repent of our life and come to Christ and place our faith in him alone. Acts chapter 16, verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you have made that decision? If not, can I recommend and suggest September 8th, 2019 on Teacher Appreciation Day? Would you come to Christ today and be saved, be born again? Because look, that's the most important message that can be taught. I think about Noah. Most of us know about Noah. Noah, the guy who built that large ark there right before the flood came. And, and you know, he was a preacher too. This preacher, though, didn't have a great popularity. He wasn't very popular on social media. He didn't have a million Twitter followers, and his Instagram was nil. Obviously, they didn't have those back then. I get that. But as he preached, no one listened except for his family. And you know, some may say Noah wasn't a very successful preacher, but I would say he was successful in the most important people in his life because he made sure that his children were on that ark. Can I ask you, friend, are you on that ark? Have you been saved? Have you been rescued from the wrath to come? If not, I would encourage you to make that decision today. And, you know, we can, we can teach our children all the things under the sun. And they, they get all the skills and the tools and equipped to be successful in this world. They go off to the best schools and get the highest degrees. And they become very wealthy and very successful. But if they miss this message, they've missed the most important message. 
Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, For what shall it profit a man, Jesus said, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He could become the most famous person in this world, most successful in the world's mind. If he misses the ark, if he misses salvation in Christ, he's missed it all. And so for those of us who are teaching, let's make sure that, yes, we have to teach some of the other things, but let's not neglect the most important message of all, and that is the way to eternal life. What else should we be teaching? We should also be teaching the way to a victorious Christian life. Again, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Jesus said, teach them the way to eternal life, and then I also want you to teach them the way to have victory in Christ. Teach them the things that the Word of God teaches. Teach them the truth of God's Word. Again, I know my wife is a homeschool teacher. She has to teach them all the basics and all the history and all of that. But we also want to not neglect the most important messages of them all, the message of eternal life and the message of how to live a victorious Christian life. So that's the message of our teaching. And I want us to see, secondly, this morning, the manner of our teaching. How are we to teach? How are we to teach? First of all, obviously, and this goes without saying, but it needs to be said anyway, the communication of our lips. We need to communicate verbally. We need to actually say things to our children and to their students. You can't just show up. Imagine a, imagine a public school teacher comes into class, sits down, and just is quiet the whole day. And then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, everybody's going to be tested. Well, the kids haven't learned anything. You have to actually teach. You have to actually open your mouth. Now, in first, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, the Bible talks about grandma and mom, okay, Lois and Eunice, and how they taught Timothy the faith. The Bible doesn't exactly tell us what they said to Timothy over the years, but I'm sure they took advantage of the teaching moments as they came. Look in verse number, uh, chapter number 3 and verse 15. Paul here is writing to Timothy and he says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So evidently, while he was young, he was learning the scriptures. Well, who was teaching him? It was mom and grandma, Lois and Eunice. We're involved in imparting the scriptures. And, and it wasn't like, here's the Bible, and that's you, you. There was communication, there was talking. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And then the next verse says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So God has given the command to parents 
to raise our children and to communicate with our lips the truth of God's word. We're to be encouraging with our lips the thought of thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. We're to be doing this constantly when it's time to go to bed, when it's time to get up, when we're walking and doing errands, when we're, um, when we're sitting around just talking. We need to be constantly communicating with our lips the truth of God's word. So the question is, are we doing this as parents? When was the last time you had a spiritual conversation with your children? Oh, you may be asking, oh, how was your day? And they'll share with you. Oh, like, tell me about your classes. Tell me about what's going on at school. Or tell me, tell me what happened at church today. And we'll have those conversations. But when was the last time you really had a spiritual conversation with your child? This should be something going on on a constant basis. Not just once in a great while. Oh, I talked to them three years ago about it. This should be going on on a constant basis, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I remember when we moved to Montana, one of the things that uh, we decided to do was have regular Bible time. This was where we would take the Bible and read a chapter or so at night with, uh, with, our, with our family. We'd get everybody together right before bed. We'd read a chapter of the Bible and sometimes read a missionary story. That's been so helpful. Now, we're not, we don't do this every, every night, but we try to make it a regular part of our family life. And I would encourage you as a parent to do the same thing because this is what we're called to do. Jesus told us to preach the gospel to every creature. In order, in order to do that, we have to open our mouths and be a witness. Look, the reason God gave us a mouth isn't just to eat. Although I'm thankful for that function as well. Amen. <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing that and I better hurry up so that we can get to that. But God gave us a mouth to use it to communicate the gospel message and to impart the truth to others. Use your mouth to not spread gossip, but to spread the gospel. So the communication of our lips. How are we to teach? And I'm sure that Lois and Eunice did that. They were teaching Timothy from a young age the truth. But then notice, secondly, here the conduct of our lives. We're to uh, live in such a way that it backs up the message. Lois and Eunice had a faith that was, as verse 5 says, unfeigned. Unfeigned. What does the word unfeigned mean? It means undisassembled, that is, sincere, without hypocrisy. The real thing, genuine, the real McCoy. Look, the faith that Lois and Eunice had was not fake news. It was the real deal. How about you? Is your faith real? Is your faith unfeigned? Or do you just put your Christian hat on when it's Sunday? And then when Sunday's over, it's time to get back to regular normal living. Or are you unfeigned in your faith? Now, according to the scriptures, you cannot separate the message from the messenger. Our lives better back up our message. 
especially when it comes to presenting the truth of the gospel and the truth of the word of God. Paul told Titus this, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. In other words, Titus, you need to be a pattern. You need to be the example. As you tell people what to do, you better be doing it too. Don't tell people to do something and then not not do it yourself. C.H. Spurgeon said this, A man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. If his life and doctrine disagree, the mass of onlookers accept his practice and reject his preaching. In other words, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Look, I I realize the truth is no one is perfect. I I know Grandma Lois wasn't perfect. Eunice wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. But these people had a faith that was true, it was genuine. The problem is we don't want people, uh, we don't want to be transparent. We don't want to be vulnerable to let people see who we really are. I'm telling you, when we let people see who we are, that's where we can make the greatest impact and the greatest difference. Paul, of course, was one of Timothy's most influential teachers in his life. In chapter 3, if you would look there in verse number 10, chapter 3 and verse number 10, he says this, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. And the next three words are very important. You've known my manner of life. You've known my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Timothy, Paul says, you've seen my life. You've seen me. I've been open before you. And you know I'm not perfect. He called himself the chief of all sinners, Paul did. And he struggled in Romans chapter 7. He, he admits his struggle with the flesh. He said, look, you've known who I am, and you know that my life backs up my message. I'm not perfect, but you know what I'm trying to say is true. We live in a day of do as I say and not as I do. Friend, that doesn't work because the faith is definitely better caught than taught. Paul, the greatest teacher, also said this, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. So parents... If you're expecting your children to follow you, you better be following Christ. Pastor, if you expect the church family to follow your example, you better be following Christ. Sunday school teachers, you expect your students to follow Christ, follow you, you better be following Christ as well. 1 Corinthians 9.14, Paul said this, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel, listen to this, should live of the gospel. In other words, it's not enough to just preach it. Your life better back it up, friend. Mom and dad, we better make sure, and grandma and grandpa, we better make sure as we preach the gospel and teach the truths of God's word to the next generation that our lives are an example. Our lives are backing up the message. And uh, certainly Paul did, and and Grandma Lois and Mom Eunice, their faith was true, it was genuine, it was real. 
So as Paul, as, as Timothy were, was looking at his, uh, at, at his mom and grandma, the Bible records that his dad actually was a Greek and he was not a believer in Christ. So we don't know where he is in this whole story, but we do know that uh, he was not a believer or there, the indication is that he was not a believer. And so uh, mom and grandma were the spiritual parents in, in, uh, in Paul's life and then Paul became his spiritual father as well. And, there, and, and it, was, it was effective because it was genuine. It was real in their life. And so it became real in Timothy's life as well. Last thought this morning, and that is number three, the mission of our teaching. Why do teachers do what they do? I have the answer. It's for all the money, right? I know this past week we've heard stories in the sports world of all these athletes making this ridiculous amount of money for doing something that really has no eternal value. And teachers are making peanuts and pennies on the dollar compared to them. Obviously, I know you get kind of fired up about that, I'm sure. But I realize it's not, you're not doing it for the money. Oh, I know why. It's for all the thanks that you get from every student that you have, right? Okay, well, I know that's not true because I was a student and I don't remember doing a lot of thanking of my, of my teachers. So what should be our mission? What should be the purpose or the reason we get out of bed in the morning to do what we do as teachers? Well, first of all, it's to obey God and fulfill the Great Commission. Again, we've gone through it, Matthew 28. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things. Look, this is the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. God wants us to obey this. By the way, this isn't just for the pastor or really even for the outgoing members of the church. It's for every believer. God wants us all to be teaching others the truth. And when we are, understand that and we're obedient to that, it's part of our mission. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2. Paul told Timothy here, he says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. See, we're to gain knowledge, not to keep it for ourselves and hoard it and say, hey, I know the... I know the way to eternal life, and I know the way to a victorious Christian life, and I'm going to keep it all to myself. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to teach others, pass it on. Remember that milk campaign? Milk does a body good. Pass it on. Let me remember that. Okay, I'm the oldest one in the room, I think. Yeah. You know the truth about how to get to heaven. You know the truth about how to have our sins forgiven and how to have Christ in our hearts and, and then how to uh, live a Christian life. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's pass it on. So first of all, to fulfill the Great Commission and also the reason and the mission uh, of teaching is to impact the next generation. In our text here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. 
See, Timothy's life was impacted because there was a grandma, there was a mom, there was, a, there was a, uh, an apostle who decided to invest in his life. And all of a sudden now, the faith is in him. His life was impacted. Psalm 78, I, I invite you to turn over there real quickly this, this morning. Psalm and chapter 78. I want us to see again the mission that we have to teach the next generation. Psalm 78 and verse number 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Do you see the teaching that's already taken place? I heard it from my parents and now I know it. Verse 4, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath established. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. By the way, dads, it's our responsibility in the home to make sure this is happening. Not, it's not the wife's responsibility to make sure it happens. It's yours, dads, husbands. Verse number six, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So God wants us to teach so that we can impact the next generation. Because look, we are one generation away from uh, Christianity being extinct. If we fail as a generation to teach the next one, then this world is in for a big, rude awakening. We've got to do it. This is supposed to be happening in a church. Titus chapter 2, Paul gives Titus some instruction on what to do in the church. He says in verse 1 of that chapter, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in doctrine, uh, sound in faith and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. So teaching is supposed to happen in the church, and the next generation is supposed to re receive this instruction from those who are aged. And I know that nobody likes to be considered aged, uh, but uh, there is something special about aged meat and aged cheese and aged saints too. God can use us, and God wants to use us to impart truth to the next generation. There's a poem that Will Allen Drumgul once wrote called The Bridge Builder. It goes like this. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide, through which was flowing a sullen tide. 
The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fear for him. But he turned when safe on the other side and, and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build this bridge at eventide? Oh, the builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said, there followed after me today a youth whose feet must Pass this way. This chasm that has been not to me, to that fair-haired youth, may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. Now I want to encourage those of us who are seasoned in the faith to not just say, "Well, I'm I'm kind of at the point where I understood a lot of understand a lot of things." And I'm just going to keep it all to myself. Oh, no. God's given you that wisdom. God's given you that knowledge not to keep for yourself, but to share to the next generation. Why should we teach? Well, to impact another Timothy. So that the unfeigned faith that is in you might be in him as well. To change the life of another child. Thirdly here, another part of our mission is to leave a godly legacy. Having the things of this world is good. But can I remind us all of something? The things of this world will burn up someday. The things of this world you can't keep when you pass from this life. See, one of the great reasons to teach others is it will last beyond this life. Life is a matter of building. Each of us has the opportunity to build something, a secure family, a good reputation, a career, a large 401k. But some of those things, as you know, can disappear almost overnight due to financial losses, natural disasters, and other foreseen difficulties. So what are we to do then? Daniel Webster offered excellent advice, saying, if we work on marble, it will perish. If we work on brass, time will efface it. If we rear temples, they will crumble to dust. But if we work on men's immortal minds, if we imbue them with high principles, with just fear of God and love of their fellow men, we engrave on those tablets something which time cannot efface and which will brighten and brighten to all eternity. What a great thought. So, friend, what legacy are you going to leave? What legacy am I going to leave? One more verse, and, and I'm going to wrap it up here. There's a little book in the Bible called Jude. It's The last book of the Bible is Revelation. The one right before it is a one-chapter book called Jude. And in verse 22 of that chapter, of that one book, it simply says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And if some have compassion, making a difference. I mentioned my mom at the beginning of this message this morning. Some of you who've been in our church 
know that I've shared that my mom passed away at the very young age of 44 years old after battling breast cancer. I'll never forget at her funeral, we were there with, I don't know how many people were at the funeral, I don't even remember. I know it was a pretty full auditorium. After the funeral was over, uh, we, meet at, we meet at this church uh, reception area, and, and there's food there for people to eat, and people to share stories about my mom. To be honest, I wasn't super hungry. Food was kind of, I wasn't interested in food at that moment. But I'll never forget, as people began to mill around and talk, this, this lady brought, brought a young, young son with, with her. He was junior high age. And, uh, and she said uh, to me and my brother who were standing there, she said, are you, are you Renate's, that was my mom's name, are you Renate's sons? And I, and I said, yes, we are. And she said, well, my son would like to share something with you. Go ahead. And this boy was already on the verge of tears. Then he began to really sob once he opened his mouth, and he said, your mom was my favorite teacher. I loved your mom. And, of course, that made me begin to cry too. And that was all he said, and they walked away. But it was at that moment that I knew that my mom had made a difference in this young life. What life are you making a difference in? Teaching, making a difference. God is calling you and I to make a difference. As parents, as church, as believers and as teachers, let's have compassion and make a difference for the glory of God. Let's recommit to teaching the right message, to teaching with the right manner, to teach with the right mission in mind. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for all those in my life who have invested their time, their energy, many of them maybe even some of their frustration. Lord, I thank you for their willingness to give so much so that I could be where I am today. And Lord, help me to pass it on by teaching others as well. Lord, I... I pray for those who are homeschooling moms, who are trying to teach their own children at home. And Lord, there's a level of, of difficulty with that, and I pray for great strength for them. Lord, I pray for those who are teaching in a public school and, and dealing with a lot of children that are not their own, not being able to discipline like they wish they could. And I pray, Lord, for strength, for courage, Pray, Lord, that you would help them to be a light, a bright and shining light. That you might use them to point others to Christ. Lord, for those who are teaching in Christian school, I pray, Lord, you'd help them to impart the truth of your word to those students. For those in our church who teach others here at our church in a Sunday school class or in some type of ministry, I pray, Lord, you'd greatly use them. And Lord, I pray especially for those to, this morning who are, who are here and have never been born again. 
who've never heard the way to eternal life. Oh, Lord, I pray that they would make the greatest decision of their life. May they come to Jesus and be born again. May they be saved today. I pray, Lord, that you would draw us all closer to you as a result.